across North Carolina. So would you welcome my friend Chris Hankins this morning. Let's give him a hand. Hello, Thank bro. You, bro. Well, good morning, Keystone Church. Man, it is an honor to be here, and, and I will say Josh is not lying. Uh, we have really become good friends over this past year and uh, had a great time wading through some cold waters in the mountain, uh, a couple of rugged endorsemen trying to catch some trout, mostly unsuccessfully, uh, even with a guide. So <laughs> we've had a great time. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, so uh, me and my wife, Jen, have been married for now 16 years, uh, and we have three kids that we call the A-Team, uh, Addison, uh, Avery, and Andrew. And in 2010, uh, we felt God leading us to do something that was terrifying uh, that you guys know a lot about. We felt God leading us to start a brand new church. Uh, at the time, we were starting right across the street from NC State, Go Pack. We're praying that the Lord's hand would be on them and against Duke this week. Uh, and so we really wanted to be a church, to, to reach students who didn't know Christ, reach families who didn't know Christ. And so we started a church, and we're like, I was, I was talking to, to your wife today of, like, we were so convinced this is what God was calling us to do that we said, you know what, we would rather try it and fail than to live the rest of our lives asking what if we'd attempted something great for the Lord. And so we stepped out in faith, and over the last 12, 13 years, God has been so kind. He's been so faithful. You know, one of the great things, let me encourage you, whatever God is leading you, calling you to do, which he has good plans, which he created you for, every single person in this room, when he calls you to whatever he calls you to, he already has your stupidity factored in. Right? It's like all the, all the things you don't know, all the things you're ignorant about, all the bad decisions that you make, he already has that factored in, right? And so I think I saw a slide, right? He, he equips the call. And so God has been so good to us over the past 12, 13 years. We're, we're on the cusp of seeing 1,000 people baptized over the past 12 years. And, and so God has been so good. He's changing lives. He's still changing lives, even here, even in America, even in the Triangle. And in 2017, uh, I'll always say that I, I feel like God has called me to be a, a serial church planter. And one of the ways that, that we've been able to do that and still stay in the, the great state of North Carolina that I love and feel called to is through starting a church planting organization called Carolina Movement. So 2017, us and a couple other churches got together and said, hey, I think that if our churches work together, that we could see way more accomplished, we could help way more churches to be planted than if we just tried to do it by ourselves. And so we started our very first church in uh, Havelock, North Carolina, Journey Church. In fact, this past Sunday, they had the grand opening of their permanent building, their, their permanent space in Havelock, still seeing people come to know Christ. And over the last six years, we've seen 22 churches started in North Carolina and every single one of those churches is still going, is still reaching people for Jesus, even through COVID. It was so cool to see. Yeah, I mean, only God. And this is what I want you, I want you to hear that God is still moving. We're going to see how God moved in a big way in the scriptures. And I want you to know God is still moving. God is still reaching people. The gospel is still powerful and effective. It was amazing to see we had almost a dozen churches of our church plants who were meeting in schools who got kicked out of the schools 
during COVID, and almost every one of them now has a permanent facility. That, that you know, you're talking about praising God in the struggles. The Lord works even bad things for our good. And so God has been faithful. God has been with our church plants. And, and man, to see what God has moved, how God has moved through Casa Viva and Josue as, as they were like, we know God has called us to meet on Sunday morning. We don't know where. We don't, we don't, there's no place. We were like, they were looking and looking and looking and looking. We were praying and begging God. And at the last second, God opened a place. And man, they're seeing God, so many people come to Christ and seeing people be baptized. So I want you to know, we're, we're going to see God do some amazing things in the scriptures. And I think here's the danger. The danger is to say, man, that was really great what God did back then. Right? And then we say, well, but in our day, you know, it's different. Or God doesn't move like he used to move. And let me, let me tell you, that's not true. And so my prayer is that the, the Lord would raise your expectations of what he wants to do through you and through Keystone Church, what he wants to do in Durham, what he wants to do in the Triangle, and what he wants to do in our state. And I believe that as we reach our state, we will change the world. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray, would you move? Would you move in this place? Would you move through your, your holy scriptures that are living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword? Father, would your word cut our hearts? Would you encourage us? and convict us, and challenge us, and I pray even call us to new things, to new places, to reach new people, and new families, new children, and, and mothers, and fathers, and grandparents, and neighbors, and co-workers. Father, and I pray over next Sunday here at Keystone, I pray that, God, that you would put names on our hearts to invite the church to come and be a part of the body of Christ here on earth, and to hear the message of Jesus proclaimed. God, thank you for today. Thank you for another day to, to know you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to show a little video about Carolina Movement so you can know more about what your church is partnering with, and then we're going to jump into the scriptures. Carolina Movement is a movement of churches across North Carolina with a heart to see every man, woman, and child in our state encounter Jesus. We believe the most effective way to accomplish this God-sized vision is through planting new churches in every major community here in North Carolina. However, it will take all of us working together to turn that dream into reality. That's why we are passionate about helping every church become a church planting church. At Carolina Movement, being a sending church is not just reserved for mega churches with mega budgets. We help every church have the opportunity to become a sending church through joining a church planting coalition. These coalitions partner with specific approved and assessed church planners to plant new life-giving churches in North Carolina communities who desperately need to hear about Jesus. We stumbled onto this coalition planting model in 2017. When Point Church in Raleigh and Vertical Church in Lumberton both wanted to plant a new church in Havelock, North Carolina. Unfortunately, neither was big enough or had enough resources to do it alone. However, through a move of the Holy Spirit, these two churches joined forces to plant Journey Church together. And that's how Carolina Movement was born. Since 2017, Carolina Movement has planted over a dozen new churches using our coalition model. Multiple sending churches combining forces to do what none of them could do alone. And by God's grace, it's really working. 
Every Carolina Movement church plant has not only survived, but has become a church planting church themselves. And so I invite you to join with us in this move of God. Whether you're an existing church or a new church planter, we would love to talk to you about how we can work together to change the spiritual landscape of North Carolina. Find out more information and join the movement at carolinamovement.com. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, Acts 19 records one of the largest spiritual outbreaks in the entire Bible. Paul's on his third missionary journey. Uh, it's the year 52 AD. So this is about 20 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he's traveling from his home church, ascending city in Antioch to Ephesus, and he's going to stay there for two years, longer than any other place that he stayed in the book of Acts. All right, and now the city of Ephesus is located in what is now modern-day Turkey on the western shore in what is called at the time Asia Minor. And the cool thing is that the city of Ephesus is a lot like the Triangle. There were people coming from all over the world, congregating, converging, cultures colliding in this city of Ephesus. Jews, Greeks, barbarians all coming together. And there, it was an atmosphere that was ripe for the gospel. And so my prayer is that God would give us wisdom, God would give us favor, God would give us eyes to see how we can see what we're going to see happen in Acts 19, happen right here in the Triangle in North Carolina. So let's jump in. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 7. It says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, verse 7. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that, catch this, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, it's hard to, hard to overstate just how amazing that is, right? That everyone in the size of a small country, from, from no one knowing about Christ to everyone in the size of a small country knowing Jesus in two years. How did that happen? And more importantly, how can it happen again? All right, so we're going to look at four observations in this passage as we journey through this together. Uh, verse 1 says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. I think it's important to note that in virtually every kingdom outbreak in the book of Acts, it starts in a major city, a major metropolitan community. Not just here. Think about it. Major cities like Jerusalem, Corinth, Antioch, and Rome. What would happen is that, that the church would birth forth, it would reach people in these cities, and then those people would go to the surrounding communities, the surrounding countrysides with the gospel. A great example is, I'm from Reedsville, North Carolina, right? Not exactly a major metropolitan community, but where am I living, right? I live right here in the Raleigh, Durham, Cary, Chapel Hill area, right? And, 
And who better to go back and reach Reedsville than me and my family? And so as we reach major communities, we can then reach back into the towns and the counties and the communities that they come from. And this is what we see, and this is what we're going to see happen here in Ephesus. Right? There he found some disciples. There were about 12 men in all. The first thing we see in this kingdom outbreak is that Paul started by gathering existing disciples. He started by gathering disciples. These, these disciples formed what was a, an outreach team. So he didn't just do it by himself. Even Jesus, right, sent them out two by two. So he didn't just do it by himself. He formed a team. He, re, he was looking for people of peace, people who felt called to reach their community. And this is what we do anytime we plant a new church in a new community. We, we tell a planter, look for people of peace. Look, look for people who feel this, this call, this burning to reach their community for Christ and to help start a new church family to reach their friends, their neighbors, their loved ones, their enemies or their frenemies. <laughs> look for those people. And that's what Paul does here. He, he spends his first time in Ephesus building this team, discipling them, equipping them before he ever goes and proclaims the gospel. Let's read on verse 8. It says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So the second thing he does is he, he, he goes and he proclaims the gospel. Kingdom outbreaks take off through sharing the gospel. Keystone, there's one message that has the power to change someone's life. One. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Anybody, anybody know that? Right? There's no other message, there's no other good news, there, there's no other breakthrough, there's no other miracle cure, there's no, nothing else that has the power to change someone's life for all eternity except for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. If you have believed, received, and experienced this good news of Christ, then you can know that you know that you know that you have eternity in front of you that you have forever to be with Christ. But if you don't know that good news, just like we were talking about this morning, if you don't know that good news, don't leave this place today without encountering Jesus Christ. Because just as he saved people then, he has the power to save you and your family and your kids and everyone you know. However, for those of us who have experienced this good news of Christ, this gospel that has the power to change lives, if we are not sharing this good news, with the people God has divinely placed in our life, right? The, the people in our neighborhood, in our, in our school, at our workplace, in our families, then we are robbing them of the opportunity to experience life, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those things come through a relationship with Christ, eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means that unless the people God has placed in our life hear about Jesus Christ, they will not make it to the Father. Right? They will spend eternity separated from him. But through Jesus, they can find life, life to the full. And so God has placed us as his followers in their lives for the purpose of making him known. Right? That is our job as followers of Jesus. And the good news is you don't have to do that by yourselves. That's why he's placed you in a family. 
right? That, that you can invite your friends and neighbors and coworkers. And, you know, some of us are the ears, some of us are the nose, some of us are the mouth. You can bring your friends and family to experience and, and taste and see that God is good. To, to be a part of the body of Christ and hear the message of Jesus. You can do that. And you don't have to do it alone. You have a whole church family to help you. Praise God. That's right. And so this is what Paul does. He goes to the gospel, he goes to the synagogue to proclaim the gospel. Now the synagogue was a place where, like, they were like two-thirds of the way already there, right? Like they already believed the Old Testament, right? They were already looking for a Messiah, right? They were already hoping for God to send someone into the world to save them. And Paul's like, hey guys. Good news, that guy you've been looking for, Jesus, he's here, you should believe in him. And so he goes and he argues persuasively, right? And, and so people start becoming Christians, becoming followers of the way, becoming Christ followers. And, and so his, his kind of his band of 12 disciples all of a sudden grows to hundreds, hundreds of followers of Jesus. Now, if that was Paul's end goal, he could have said, Woohoo! Right? Mission accomplished, moving on to the next city, job well done. But that's not what he does. He's just getting started in this city. Why? Because his goal is not just to plant a church to reach a few people. His goal was to start a church planting movement to reach a region. That's so important. It's so important for Keystone Church. So important for, for my home church. I think it's important for every church to understand that Planting a church is not the end goal. It's a part of something bigger. Verse 9 says, but some of them became obstinate. Don't you hate it when that happens? They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. In other words, they're like making fun of them. I don't know if you've, you've had that happen. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with them and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Let me give you a little side note. As a church, we must be prepared that as we push the kingdom forward, Satan is going to push back. As we push the kingdom forward in our cities, in our schools, in our towns, in our state, Satan is going to push back. I've never experienced as much spiritual warfare in my life and in my family than when we planted a church. And so we just need to know that. And I think one of the things that happens when we, when we aren't prepared, right, we can kind of get knocked off our feet sometimes. But if you know, right, you know an attack is coming, then you can kind of brace yourself, you can prepare yourself. You know, Paul says, put on the full armor of God, right? When you know that, that Satan is going to push back, he's going to send his fiery darts against you, well, you can put on the full armor of God and stand firm. And so that's why I'm telling you this, because... It's not if Satan will attack, it's when Satan will attack. And if we will put on the armor of God, then we can stand firm and be victorious. And so Paul, does, does he get discouraged? Does he say, oh, well, people are talking bad about me. I guess I better leave. No. He changes tactics. And I love this. This is so important. Paul shifts strategy from doing the ministry to training the ministers. From doing the ministry to training the ministers. The third observation we see is that kingdom outbreaks expand with training leaders. It's obvious that, that Paul had a high value on evangelism. He was going to go and he's going to proclaim the gospel. He's going to show people how to follow Christ and experience eternal life. But he knew, right, that he was there on a temporary assignment. 
he was going to leave, right? This, he was not making Ephesus home, right? He, he was not making Corinth home. These were temporary assignments. And so because he knew he was going to leave, he had to train leaders to do what he did. And just as Jesus, right, he, he trained 12 to go and to multiply his impact, Paul is doing the same thing. He's not just training one person to do what he does. He's training multiple people to do what he does so that, his multi, so that the, the kingdom impact could be multiplied. Now, you may call Durham home, right? But even if you're here for the next 50, 60 years, the reality is that we are all on temporary assignment. Every one of us, right? That, that, that this place is not our ultimate home. That we are, we are aliens, we are strangers living here. And, and that, yes, we, we do good, we seek the good of, and the welfare of our city. And we seek to be a light, right? The city on a hill that can't be hidden. But the reality is, Durham is not our home. Apex is not my home. We are on temporary assignment. If that is the case, right, as long as the Lord tarries, and believe me, I'm tr- I'm hoping that we're working as hard as we can to see him return in our lifetime. That's my prayer. But if the Lord tarries, then the next generation is going to have to continue the task, this, this great mission, this great commission that Jesus has given us. And so we have to be training leaders. We have to be training others. We have to be investing in other people. And that's exactly what Paul does. You see, he, he takes these disciples that have now grown to hundreds and he begins to disciple them, to train them, to equip them to be sent out. This, this hall of Tyrannus becomes really the first church planning training center. So this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. He discipled and equipped and trained these people for two years and then sent them out all over Asia Minor. Now... It's easy to miss what a big deal this is. But think about this. Thousands and thousands of dads and moms and neighbors and kids and co-workers and grandparents and immigrants and outcasts and officials, both the rich and the poor, heard about Jesus Christ and became followers of Christ, experienced eternal life because of what happened in the city of Ephesus. That's a big deal. What if thousands and thousands of people in all the cities, Roxborough, Bahama, I'm just excited I know where that is. (laughs) All these people in, you know, in Hillsborough and in Chapel Hill and in Carlborough, Lord knows I need the Lord. Chatham County, what if they all heard about Jesus Christ because of what happened right here at Keystone Church in Durham, North Carolina? What if they at least had a chance? had eternal life because we took the gospel. We took the great commission of Jesus. We believe that his gospel was powerful and effective. And we began training leaders, church planners, disciples to go and proclaim Jesus in new cities, in new communities, in new places. See, for your church, for Keystone Church, to see a gospel movement here in North Carolina, you have to have a vision that it's bigger than your church. The, the, the vision can't be, the end of the vision can't be just our church. We have to have a vision that is bigger than our church because Jesus has given us a vision bigger than our church, right? He said to go, not stay, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you till the end of the age. That means that, that there is an end and that Jesus is coming back. And between now and then, he will never leave us and never forsake us. So even when we step out in faith, we're never in danger because he is with us. The final thing we see is that kingdom outbreaks explode by planting churches. Kingdom outbreaks explode by planting churches. Let's, let's take a quick geography tour, all right? Do we have a map? No, we don't have a map, okay? Imagine a map of Turkey. <laughs> How many of you have ever read uh, the book of Revelation? Anybody? All right, all right, we'll just nod your head, pretend, we'll give you grace. First few chapters, that was a joke, sorry, maybe a bad joke. First few chapters, first few chapters of Revelation, Jesus himself speaks to seven churches. Ephesus, Laodicea, Sperna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia. Did you know that all of these churches are church plants out of the city of Ephesus? As you're imagining a map, imagine that these cities form a circle around the city of Ephesus. All these churches that Jesus himself speaks to in the book of Revelation are church plants out of the city of Ephesus. How many of you guys like the book of Colossians? One of my personal favorites. Did you know that, that the church of Colossae is a church plant out of the city of Ephesus? This, this guy who planted it came from Ephesus to his hometown in Colossae and planted this church. And because of that, also the church in Heropolis and Laodicea, all of those churches were planted. In fact, when Paul writes the letter to the church at Colossae, he says, hey, by the way, take this letter and share it with Laodicea. And, and the letter that Laodicea has, have them come in and bring it here so that you guys can share in this message of Christ together. My point is that, that these are just the church plants that we know of in Scripture. I'm confident that there's dozens and dozens and dozens more churches that were planted, and more importantly, communities and cities that were reached, resulting in thousands of real people with real names, real families who Jesus Christ died for so they could spend eternity with him. Now let's go back to, to Durham, North Carolina, to the Triangle. I believe that God wants to do the same thing in our time. I don't know if you can feel it, but revival is rising. It is. Revival is rising. God is on the move. He is calling people. And I want to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. I want our churches to be a part of it, right? I don't want to be sitting face to face with Jesus. And he says, hey, why did you sit out when I was on the move? Right? Like, why did you sit on the sidelines when I was changing people's lives and bringing the gospel to families all over your state? When we plant churches in new communities, new people know Jesus. That's the reality that we've seen over and over again. And, and here's what I want you to know. This is not just like a pipe dream of, of this is something that might happen. I want you to know this is something that is happening. We do have some of these photos. Uh, we're planning new churches to reach real people in places like Winston-Salem at Citizens Church. Crossroads Church in Whiteville, North Carolina. Another place that's really there, real, real city. 
Garner Church in Garner. Hope Church in Tabor City. OIB Life Church in Ocean Isle. I'm feeling the Lord might be leading me to Ocean Isle to plant a church. Something about you. Point Fort Bragg in Fayetteville. They have they have Carolina Movement's largest baptismal. They meet at a YMCA. By the way, God is on the move. I want you just to just get a taste. God is on the move in the military. They're reaching people at Fort Bragg. We're planting churches, two new churches that, that just got approved through Carolina Movement. One is planting in Moorhead City to reach Cherry Point. Marines in North Carolina. The other is being planted in Goldsboro to reach Seymour Johnson Air Force Base to reach the Air Force cadets there. Like Marines, the Army, <laughs> the, the uh, Air Force, God is on the move. Uh, Rooted Church in Cary, North Carolina. They might be, uh, pastor is a, is a third generation Chinese pastor. They have the most diverse church I've ever been to. Sojo Church, you hear more about them in a second, in Concord, North Carolina. And Waterview Church in Morrisville, North Carolina. Like, I could continue. Like, these are, I want you to see pictures of people experiencing their lives transformed. Because churches like Keystone Church and churches like Point Church said, you know what, we're going to care more than just about our city. We're going to help reach the next city and the next city and the next family and the next family. In 2017, we helped to start this church planting organization. And because of that, in 2019, there was a church planted in Concord called Sojourner Church. Uh, a pastor named Corey Alley helped to plant it. And uh, his daughter, right, his daughter, is her name is Eden. Uh, she was in fourth grade. And she decided that she was going to invite her teacher to church. Did you know that there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit? She invited her teacher to church again and again and again and again. <laughs> Until finally, her teacher, her name is Ashley, felt so like embarrassed. Like, man, this fourth grader is inviting me to church. Maybe I should go check it out. And, <laughs> and Ashley and her husband Patrick and their son Riley visited Sojourner Church for the first time in 2020. They weren't going to church anywhere. They were not following Jesus. And they, they came, they experienced the love of Christ, and they decided to make that church their home. And soon after, Ashley decided to follow Jesus Christ in baptism. There's a picture of Ashley. You know the Lord's moving when you got that ugly cry, right? <laughs> and she began to follow Christ and surrender to him and started to experience what does it look like to, to have an abundant life? And the next year, she was named Teacher of the Year in Cabarrus County. Teacher of the Year. And she started praying for her husband and for her son to follow Christ. And then the next year, her, her husband Patrick and their son Riley followed Christ in baptism. And God has been just working and moving in their family. And this past summer... She felt God so radically changed her family that she wanted to help other families and other communities experience what she experienced. And so she came on as our administrative director at Carolina Movement so that she could help other families know Christ. The reason I'm telling you these stories is I want you to know Jesus is still changing lives. When we plant new churches and new communities, real people come to know Christ. 
Real families, real moms, real dads, real kids. And we can be a part of it. So here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that God would use Keystone Church and other churches in Durham to become a church planting center where we can, we can equip, we can proclaim the gospel, we can see people come to Christ, we can train them, and we can send them out all over North Carolina to plant churches. And that we can do it together. You know, when Jesus prayed in John 17, longest prayer in the Bible, he prayed. He could have prayed anything. He, he prayed specifically for us. You know what he prays? That we would be one. As he and the Father are one. And he says, this says something interesting. He says that through us being one, the world would know that the Father sent him into the world to save us. When we work together, we send a message, a picture of gospel unity. That it's not just about your church. It's about the church. Right? It, it's not about the name on the back of the jersey, Keystone, that it's about the name on the front of the jersey, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, Your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.